You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we move forward with our Best Picture 2018 Academy Award nominees, uh, the review series we're doing of these films. We're moving along swimmingly. We're up to our latest film. Uh, It is called Phantom Thread, and it's about a man who makes dresses. Um... (laughs) That's about all we can say, really. This is an interesting one. I don't know what we're going to really say about this film. Uh, my name is Ben, and... <sighs> Sorry, what? Oh, all right, Phantom Thread, yes. Uh, my name is Colin, and I made it two hours and seven minutes further than Jennifer Lawrence did in this movie. <laughs> Glad I can now officially say Jennifer Lawrence and I have something in common. That's always, it's always been a long-standing <laughs> dream of mine. Um... Yeah, Phantom Thread. Uh, <laughs> it's a man who makes dresses. Well, we're done now. <laughs> what do you think? No, not going to win. Awesome. All right. Ah, the Shape of Water. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I like Daniel Day-Lewis. I will just point that out. I think he's a great actor, and he does a fantastic performance in this film. But I think kind of as we alluded to yesterday, I started watching this on a plane. I fell asleep like 40 minutes in. Finally got through to watching it. Um, the rest of it, I should say. Um, now, I think you uttered the words, it picks up in the last half hour. I think I'm still waiting for that to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I just, this film is just, um, this may be the most boring film I've ever watched in my entire life. <laughs> like, absolutely legit. Maybe the most boring film. And I've, I've sat through, like, uh, you know, three weeks of the 12-week movies that are the Lord of the Rings films. I'd rather watch them uh, in a marathon than this. Um... Hmm. Phantom Thread, Colin. <laughs> so you're thinking about renting it is what you're saying. <laughs> you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, I'm kind of with you. This, You know, when we first started this, I think you had seen none of the movies or you'd seen like one. Dunkirk. And I'd seen, <laughs> yeah, and I'd seen about four or five of them. And uh, I told you like, well, you were asking, which one should I watch on a plane? <laughs> and then we were sort of going through it. Well, don't watch Shape of Water. You know, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, but I'm like, Phantom Thread, there is nothing in that that anybody's going to look over your shoulder at and wonder, other than why you are watching a two-hour and ten-minute movie about a man making dresses. Because that's all there is to this movie. And I also told you that it, it was a chore to get through. Um Maybe the reason I like the last half hour is because I stopped watching this movie with half an hour to go, and then a day and a half later, Jamie's like, hey, why don't we finish watching that movie that she didn't really care for either? Uh, so I kind of had a chance to reset, but I think at the very least I could say I can appreciate this movie on a technical level, and there are some things like Paul Thomas Anderson, who uh, made this movie, I'm a big fan of some of his movies. Um, this is definitely the most boring thing he's ever done. And he did probably a two and a half hour long movie uh, called The Master with uh, Joaquin Phoenix in it as a kind of a cult leader, which was pretty boring. But I mean, it's just it's kind of sad watching this because this is the guy that made Magnolia, Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood. And I, I can't quite understand what led him to, to say, I want to make a movie about a man making dresses. And I want to... M- Daniel Day-Lewis, I want to make this my farewell movie. Like, this is how he's going to go out. And I love Daniel Day-Lewis, and I love Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie. I even said, in a way, I prefer his performance in this to even something like Gangs in New York. But, oh, I don't know, all I could say is that 
with some good things going on in this movie, it is a chore to get through. Look, I want to say that I find it boring, but like I, I, I'm with you that I can appreciate a lot of things about this film. Um, I mean, I'm not coming into this with absolute drinking the haterade like I did with Dirty Dancing. Um, I mean, I can get why this movie appeals to the Academy and, you know, why it was nominated and, you know, why Daniel Day-Lewis and all those sort of things and... You know, um, yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, I like Boogie Nights. Uh, I've never actually seen Punch Drunk Love, though, um, which I hear is Adam Sandler's one good film, is it? Um, <laughs> I mean, I like Adam Sandler. That's a bit mean. But, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. This, I guess this, we talked about this with Lady Bird. That's not really targeted at us, but I still can enjoy that movie. I think this has obviously got a very niche market in terms of people who would enjoy this film. I can, I can, my mother would have liked this film. I can see people who would have enjoyed this movie. Um, I just don't think I'm really the demographic that's meant to like this movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, just incredible. And I think we talked about this during our Get Out recap and the fact that, you know, we appreciate sort of acting and like the subtleness and that sort of stuff. And just, you know, the, the dialogue and the acting in this film, I can really, really appreciate it, you know, and Leslie Manville also was obviously nominated for an Oscar in this as well. So, I mean, it's, it's really just, I can appreciate everything about that. I mean, it looks fantastic. Like, you know, the, the costumes and kind of the, you know, everything alongside of it looks fantastic. The music gyrates the shit out of me. Uh, it's not as bad as Juno, <laughs> but just that score that's constantly playing in the background really annoys me. Um, but it's just, I'm just always waiting for something to happen. I mean, and it also kind of, it's, it's a movie that really, again, kind of going on, does it have a plot? I mean, it's, it's kind of just this relationship. Between you know the, the the two main leads with with Alma and and Woodcock Reynolds Woodcock, so it's it's kind of that. But at the end of the day, like there's not a whole lot to it besides he makes dresses. You know, he even says I make dresses. So I mean, it's it's an interesting one, but it's kind of you can just you got to respect. I think Daniel Day Lewis just for his ability to really kind of involve himself in a character like this because. You know, as boring as a film is, you really do kind of... I don't know, I was intrigued by his his portrayal of this character because it is a very mm-hmm. interesting character, I think, that, uh, you know, has been written here in this film. Yeah, and even when nothing's happening, I mean, the one thing I could say, even though I wasn't, like, particularly interested in this movie and I wasn't like, I can't wait to see what happens next. Is, is he going to start sewing? <laughs> uh, how many more hours do we have of him taking her measurements? You know? <laughs> like, when you have... That scene that I swear lasts for 25 minutes straight of him taking her measurements. He has a way, even though he's basically going like 23, 17, (laughs) 22. You're sucked in by him. And this is his... In a way, I'm kind of glad that this is the type of performance. Not that this is the best movie he could have gone on, but I'm glad this is the type of performance. Because I think Daniel Lewis, not that he's gotten lost, I'm not going to be critical of him in any way, but... The last, like, 15 years from Gangs of New York on, it's just been really outrageous performances. Every role, he's playing something completely different. He comes up with different voices, different looks. And here he's just kind of, you know, kind of quiet, slightly creepy Daniel Day-Lewis. I think we have also, you know, said many times in the movie about a man making dresses. I mean, (laughs) I understand the point that Paul Thomas Anderson had wasn't that. He wanted to show, you know, this guy obsessed with his work and how it would affect his home life. You know, what is it like uh, having a sister in your house when she's he pushes his own sister where it's basically all work for her, and then he brings this girl in who he's fascinated by, but you kind of get from the beginning, 
he's bringing her in more for his work. This is like his new muse or whatever. Then he actually cares about her as you know a, a girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever it would be. Um, when everything kind of starts deteriorating late in the movie, that's where I got really interested in it. And I do think it has like a really clever ending, an ending I didn't see coming, uh, where it just has like this one moment, um, maybe in the last like two minutes, where something happens you didn't expect it to go that way, and you're like, oh, whoa, that that's that's clever, that's original, that's. I wish that we had an entire movie like that, not just, you know, the last two minutes. But it's it's just, it's way too simple for a movie this long. And I like the idea of, you know, showing uh, what this guy would be like if, if, if you're completely dedicated to your work, if you're a workaholic, if you're an artist or whatever you want to call it. And that sort of controls every other area of your life. But it just, it did not need to be this long. And it almost to me feels like, I'm I'm watching this from you know the the point of view of somebody who you can't really compare this to Boogie Nights or Magnolia. I mean those are ensemble movies, but something like There Will Be Blood, which he also did with Daniel Day Lewis, which was a three and a half hour long movie, I think. Uh, also, just mostly about a character and how you know this success and this uh, um, obsession with his work, you know, kind of wrecked his home life and all that. But that was an interesting movie because interesting things happen in it. Here, nothing happens for two hours and. Yeah, I kind of referenced in the beginning, like Jennifer Lawrence recently came out in a talk show and said that, you know, as a member of the Academy, she has to watch these movies and vote on. She said, I gave it three solid minutes. And I'm not sure if there was anything more to this movie than a guy making dresses. There really wasn't. There really isn't. Uh, Yeah, it's just there's there's lots of things they could have done. And I can kind of appreciate what Paul Thomas Anderson wanted to do, but it's just not that interesting of a movie. No, is this the longest out of all the nine uh, Best Picture nominees at 130 minutes? I feel like it is. I think this and Call Me By Your Name are probably the, the exact same length. Right, okay. Well, uh, I'm not quite up to the Italian love gay story yet, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> as long as they don't make dresses, I'm fine. Like, I'm down with it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's... Look, I, I won't say I completely disliked the last half. But like, I, I'm with you with the ending. Like, I wasn't expecting that and kind of just how that played out. Um, that was fascinating. But I, I swear if we ever did a full recap of this, we would do it in, like, the same length we're going to do this re- review in. Like, it's, <laughs> so we're sewing a dress. Um, oh, Alma <laughs> comes in. Oh, they have a disagreement. Oh, they make up. Oh, they lots, <laughs> lots of omelette making in this movie. It's not all dresses. There's mushroom there. Yep. All right. Um... <laughs> Okay. Oh, he's quoting that she has no boobs. Fair enough. Um, like, just you know. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's it's funny to think that I mentioned about the other day about Lincoln, how I found that boring. So sorry, Daniel Day Lewis. I do like you. It's just the you know, some of the movies you're in are kind of boring. Maybe that's maybe that's why the Academy just gives him so many Oscars. And it's like, oh, I don't actually know what he did. Oh, I don't. Know. I'm sure he's probably better than the other four nominees. Give him the Oscar. Um, <laughs> I fell asleep. Um, Vicky, is it Creeps? Creeps? How do you say her name? Is Alma? Um, I would I would think Creeps. Creeps. Yeah, I I, I really liked her, and I'm surprised that she wasn't yeah. nominated. I mean. Not to take away from Leslie Manville, I mean, she kind of was in it, you know, and she's very good in her role, but I would have maybe put Vicky up ahead of Leslie as a, as a best, uh, you know, supporting actress. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I actually was engaged with the character of Alma too, even just from the very beginning, you know, and this isn't really spoilers, but how they meet in that restaurant, and we kind of have this very unique sort of ordering. I, I just love the way he orders that food. Huh. I don't know, there's something about his yeah. character, you know, this, like, sophisticated British gentleman, the way he's, like, ordering the duck, and, the, you know, I'll have this, and I'll have that butter. I uh, remember all that. 
Like, just the way he goes on about it. And then next minute, she's at his house. Fair enough. That happens to me every time I go and order breakfast. Um, what did you, what do you think that Vicky should have got a nom ahead of Leslie or, you know, it's about where it should be? I mean, I didn't pay that close attention to the nominations before. I, I, all I knew was this was nominated for picture and it was nominated for best actor. I knew it was nominated for, uh, like supporting actress, but I didn't pay attention to who it was. So when I was watching this movie, I was assuming it was Vicky Creeps who was the one nominated because she's way more interesting. And I think she just has a lot more to do in it, but she's kind of engaging in the same way Daniel Day Lewis is in this movie that she, she doesn't do a lot. We're just going to say that about everything. There's been nothing really happens. Nobody's <laughs> doing anything, but you're interested and you're kind of taken in by her. So I, I would say the exact same thing. I would have swapped the two supporting actresses in here. Maybe it's just because she is a complete unknown or a foreign actress. Uh, I, I just have to say how funny it is that we're talking about one of the more enjoyable scenes in this movie. And it was Dado Day Lewis ordering breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and equally fascinating is the scene where Alma cooks him dinner yes. and they go on a conversation about how asparagus are supposed to be prepared. <laughs> and these are the most intriguing things in the movie. And I'm not even knocking. I kind of like those scenes, but that's what this movie has going for. And then the omelette scene at the end. So all the, the like with, yeah. the three scenes when he's it's not making dresses are great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Vicky Creeps is, is Lux- Luxembourgian. Uh, when, I wonder how that talent pool is. The great actors of Luxembourg. Um, What's the Luxembourg equivalent of the Academy Awards? I'm sure she's been nominated. <laughs> exactly. Das Academy Awards? Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, looking at her filmography, I mean, she's been in lots of worded movies that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. But, um, yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed her performance and just she works so well with Daniel Day-Lewis, just the, the style of mm-hmm. acting off each other. And, you know, as an unknown, I think this is going to probably open her up to a lot more sort of, you know, mainstream American roles, perhaps. I mean, she's obviously probably wow. highly regarded in, you know, her native Luxembourg and the esteemed Luxembourg film industry. Um, Look, we do have to add to that, though. She enters this movie 15 minutes in. Yes. So you have to get a further 12 minutes from what the standard is before you get to her scenes. And let's be honest, watching this movie, I reckon, is probably what it's like living on, like, Mars or, like, you know, Jupiter, where, you know, one year is actually about, like, three years of our time. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you say 15 minutes, it's approximately about eight hours uh, until you do it's meet her. Yeah. yeah, it's what it at least feels like. Like, I was on a three-hour flight... I watched this for 40 minutes. I thought I'd, like, missed my destination and ended up in, like, Papua New Guinea or something <laughs> like that. And then the captain's like, oh, we're just removing the fasten seatbelt since And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Um, so, but, um, I mean, the other nominee has been nominated uh, for six awards, um, equal with Darkest Hour. So, yeah, the ones, obviously, you mentioned uh, Best Picture, Best Director for Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, obviously, uh, Leslie Manville in Best Supporting Actress. Uh, the score got a nomination. Oh, my God. Um, I, I kind of disagree with you about the score. Really? Is, I, there, there are a lot of moments where I liked it, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny Greenwood or you know Radiohead. I know you're a big fan of Radiohead. Oh, I was but, just listening uh, to him before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson paired up with him for There Will Be Blood. And that movie, the music was just completely different. And I think everything he's done up until now, uh, his scores are like, did you ever see There Will Be Blood? No. It's it's just kind of like really eerie mood music. I mean, it's not something you just sit down and listen to. So maybe between that and like The Master and some of the other ones he's done, I think this one, it actually sounded like real music. So maybe that's the reason I kind of liked it. 
Uh, I mean, I I wasn't familiar with the fact that he was in radio because I I think Radiohead are kind of extremely overrated. Hello, Radiohead fans. Hello. Um. So yeah, that probably maybe is why I I think that I don't know, but it just it just grated on me for so long. It just ugh, was repetitive, and I'm like, God, oh, just put on some like I don't know heavy metal or something to wake me up or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. The famous 1950s heavy metal. I know, right? Been appropriate for the time. Like uh, Master Slipknot or something like that just like you know performing yeah. back then. Uh but I think the one that I assumed it would have got nominated for and it did best costume design uh Mark Bridges yeah. there. And I mean that's an interesting category looking at this one. Um I mean the ones obviously that we're covering Darkest Hour or The Shape of Water um up there. And, you know, rightfully so. But then you've got to look at uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, which, you know, I've avoided like the plague. I'm not a huge fan of the whole Disney live action things. That's another episode. I've complained about enough on other episodes, I think. Um, and Victoria and Abdul as well. So, I mean, where do you think it oh, stands? Oh, our favourite. Yes, absolutely. Robbed of a best pitch. That should have been the 10th nominee. Um, <laughs> where do you stand on this? I mean, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Beauty and the Beast, but at least comparing it to the other two that we've been covering so far. You know, just to throw my two cents out there about Disney live action, Maleficent was one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and that was basically, let's let's take this famous Disney story and completely change it. Beauty and the Beast, I watched like 15 minutes of it. They did nothing different. It was shot for shot, song for song, identical to the original, completely pointless. And even the costumes are just identical to the cartoon, so I don't know how that gets nominated. But I guess between these movies, I mean, it, it kind of just is the category for costume design that's just period films. Uh, it's very rare you get anything other than I mean, you're not going to have, you know, a modern movie get nominated for best costumes, like something that takes place in 2000 or Call Me By Your Name is not going to get nominated because of the short shorts that are very accurate to 1983. <laughs> but of all these, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess because it's about designing dresses, uh, it's probably going to end up winning. I think I preferred The Shape of Water just because I think that the costumes kind of helped set the tone of the movie the same way that, like, the set really did. I mean, pretty much everything in Shape of Water. But, yeah, I think maybe this is the one category it has a shot at because people who only got three minutes into the movie are going to be like, oh, I remember it was about designing clothes. Let's give it the clothes <laughs> award. Um yeah, my standpoint of Disney live movies, I just mentioned the word Lion King. It's like, how the fuck are you making a live movie about the Lion King yeah. when it's already about animals and you've animated them and you're about to animate them again? Mm -hmm. Unless you use real lions and train them to talk and act, then don't talk to me about a real-life Lion King. Um, anyway, uh, so speaking of chances... And I want my asparagus with oil, <laughs> not butter... <laughs> I just think they need to do the opposite of that for Disney movies. Start making animated movies of things, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like animated, just, I want them to recreate Fan the thread? original, the original trilogy of Star Wars in animated form. Shot for shot. <laughs> no, if we get the animated Phantom Thread, that's yeah. the one I'm oh, looking for. Yes! I want there to be a spin-off <laughs> series. Where's a Netflix show? I want to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> More omelettes and stuff. Um, I mean, <laughs> rightfully so, out of the nine nominees, this is the lowest uh, chance to win I'm looking at yeah. here on the odds. I mean, in all fairness, it's actually equal with Darkest Hour, but I think that's a bit unfair. Um, but it's 101 odds, at least according to this goldderby.com site. Uh, I mean, I think you just kind of summed it up there. This really has no chance in the best picture category and, and just connecting that inside of it. Uh, you mentioned loosely about Daniel Day-Lewis the other day on our Darkest Hour episode that he maybe could get a chance just because it is potentially his last ever film. Uh, I mean, chances for other categories? No, I mean, there's really nothing. Even with Daniel Day-Lewis, 
I I think because he's won twice. Um, Freytons, did he win he? He won for there will no, be blood. Yeah, there will be blood. Well, I just mean in the last like ten years. Oh, right. Okay. So he won for yeah. So three in his career. One for there will be blood, and for Lincoln. So twice in the last decade. Even though it's his like farewell performance, I don't think anybody's gonna. I I also think that maybe if anything, the Academy at this point is gonna be like. If we don't give him the award, maybe that'll be incentive for him to make one more that's a little more watchable. <laughs> Possibly, not falling asleep. Because it's only, yeah, Catherine Hepburn, I'm just looking up here quickly, that's my own question I was about to ask. She's the only one to ever win four, isn't she? So, um, no male has ever won uh, more than three Academy Awards, which is crazy to think that you can win that many. You know, like, how's Gary Oldman only had two nominees and hopefully have one soon? Um, and yet Daniel Day-Lewis has three already in the bag. Um, I don't really know if there's anything much more to talk about this film, really. I mean, bin it. <laughs> besides with the obvious of what we're both going to be doing here, we know we're going to bin it. I assume we're both going to put it at the bottom of our list right now. Um, yeah. do you have anything more to add on this movie? I mean, I'm surprised we've gone this long. <laughs> <laughs> he makes dresses. Um, what did Jamie think? Yeah. It, well, Jamie. She did fall asleep for a good section of this movie, and <laughs> when she woke up, when she woke up, I had shut it off, and the first thing she said was, yeah, that movie was so boring, and then 10 hours later, she's like, hey, why don't we finish that movie? I want to see what happens. I think what she meant was, I want to see if something happens. And um, Yeah, what she realized when you said 10 hours later, the movie was still going. Like, it actually hadn't yeah, stopped. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It was still playing. It never actually stopped. Oh, there we go. We could pick up. Ten hours later, and it's almost like we didn't miss a thing. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, this is a bin it for me. And I'm not going to be like it's the worst movie ever made because I did say at the beginning I can appreciate certain things about this. A lot of the scenes, that even though they were dull, they're kind of fascinating to watch in a weird way. But in no way is this a movie that I'm ever going to get the urge to watch again. <laughs> me neither. Uh, but, yeah, like, I'm, I agree with everything said. To me, this isn't the worst movie ever made. It's maybe just the most boring movie I've ever watched in my entire <laughs> life. So, um there you go. That is uh, Phantom Thread, never to be talked about ever again uh, on the Oz Network, unless somehow it wins Best Picture, and we doubt that's ever going to happen. I've probably got more chance of our late call-up to be nominated for Best Actor to win, if I'm completely honest. Um, oh, Kill Phil! Yes, long overdue. It's one of those career <laughs> awards that they have to give me. Um, that brings us now to a movie we were initially going to cover last, because uh, it's kind of the favourite to win Best Picture, but we've sort of switched it up a little bit, and we're going to be covering this one next. Uh, the Shape of Water, which is... Look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. This movie, again, I didn't really know a whole lot about. I kind of went into it blind. And, um, yeah, I, I've i got a bit to talk about this film, I feel. It's a, it's a, it's a very <laughs> unique and would. individual movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I already covered this in a solo review, so I'll probably have a little bit less to say than normal. But the whole idea of this, and I think people can go back and even listen to the solo review I did back at the beginning of January... And here we say, you know, Ben has to watch this movie at some point because I have to hear what he thinks about this. And I knew that we would have to talk about spoilers in this. So, again, we've warned people several times. We will talk about spoilers with The Shape of Water, but we'll save it for maybe the end of the episode. So you can still listen to some of our opinions. Um, but there are just things in this movie that you can't not talk about. Um, and I knew very little going in as well, I think. I, I kind of just knew the basic idea of the plot, and I don't even think I intentionally didn't watch the trailer. So when I went to the movie, it was completely blind. I don't know if that you know uh, made it, it more enjoyable or less enjoyable for me, but 
Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to hear where, what you think of this one. Well, if everybody wants to um, listen more, again, we recommend you listen to more episodes, just not this one, because you'll just forget about the Phantom Thread. It's done. Uh, mm-hmm. So like us on Facebook, follow us, Twitter, all the usual channels as we get closer and closer to the 90th Academy Awards and working out who's going to win and uh, who's going to lose, and one of those will be the Phantom Thread. My name is Ben, and I make dresses. And my name is Colin, and omelette. Bagel, crepe, toast, (laughs) bacon, sausage, mushrooms. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.